Hello, I'm Dave Kellett. This story is called Prison Knife Fight from the book collection Machine of Death. For more information, visit machineofdeath.net. Prison Knife Fight by Shannon Garrity. Very expensive nanny, very expensive tutor. Montessori nursery school priced competitively with Yale. Phonics, piano lessons from age four, one edifying vacation in a major European city per year, a diet of both organic and local produce cooked to order from a menu drawn by a personal nutrition coach, and a white noise machine. A portfolio of coloring book samples. What was missing? Oh, yes. Mr. Slocum peered over the thick sheaf of paperwork. We'll have to see his medical records, of course. His medical records? said Mrs. Wethington Beach, a little too innocently. That's confidential information, said Mr. Wethington Beach with studied huffiness. Nonetheless, said Mr. Slocum, St. Maxwell's requires it, as you should be aware from our brochures, website, and application forms. We do ask that you come prepared, he added coldly, hoping that a touch of stern headmaster would snap them to attention. It didn't. I don't see why you need that kind of thing, Mrs. Wethington Beach lilted. I mean, really, why would you unless you're planning to discriminate against... Against a five-year-old, Mr. Wethington Beach harumphed. It's just kindergarten, he added. St. Maxwell's, sir, is hardly just a kindergarten. That's why you're trying to convince us to admit little Cotton, correct? His medical records, please. After a long and wounded pause, Mr. Wethington Beach produced another set of papers from his briefcase. Mr. Slocum skimmed them. There was only one line that mattered. Not everyone had their children scanned, of course, but the parents who applied to St. Maxwell's wanted their offspring to win the great foot race of life, and they missed no opportunity to equip the tow-headed sprites with life's metaphorical jetpacks and rocket shoes. A death machine readout cost money, and that meant it must be an advantage. QED. Ah, there it was. Mr. Slocum pulled out the familiar certificate, signed by a licensed technician and stamped with a golden death's head seal. His gaze dropped automatically to the six neatly typed words at the bottom and stayed there for a good minute. Cotton Remington Wethington Beach, he said at last. Prison knife fight. Mr. Wethington Beach turned very red. Mrs. Wethington Beach turned very white. Both Wethington Beaches squirmed. Mr. Slocum gazed evenly at them from across his polished mahogany desk. Prison knife fight? There was another longer silence. Finally, Mrs. Wethington Beach said, Well, you know, it might be the good kind of prison. The good kind of prison? Mr. Wethington Beach leapt in gallantly. Minimum security. Exactly, Mrs. Wethington Beach nodded energetically. For tax evasion or something. Tax evasion's not so bad. I think, said Mr. Slocum, the temperature of his voice dropping several degrees, that the type of prison to which, say, a corporate CFO is sent for tax evasion is very unlikely to play host to lots of knife fights. It could, said Mrs. Wethington Beach, sounding like a child who's had her favorite binky taken away and stomped on. Look, said Mr. Wethington Beach, surely you've gotten this before. No, no, we haven't. At the sight of the Wethington Beach's fallen faces, Mr. Slocum relented. We get some suicides. There, Mr. Wethington Beach jabbed a manicured finger across the desk. If you ask me, knife fight shows a lot more character than suicide. Suicide, suicide's cowardly. Mrs. Wethington Beach nodded. I've got a nephew scheduled for suicide, snapped Mr. Slocum. Fine boy, little tense. 
In fact, St. Maxwell's received, and often accepted, applications from preschoolers slated to die criminal deaths. It was just a question of, well, the quality of the crime. You let in cocaine overdoses, you keep out the crack overdoses. But this was so obvious it was hardly worth mentioning. I don't see why you people even care, Mr. Wellington Beach was saying. It's not like he's going to die in a prison knife fight while he's at kindergarten. Prep school, maybe, said Mrs. Wellington Beach vaguely. She seemed to have abandoned all hope of St. Maxwell's and drifted into a soft, pink, private world of her own, a world blissfully devoid of knives, fights, or prisons to contain them. It's a matter of reputation, said Mr. Slocum, gathering up Cotton's paperwork. In 78 years, St. Maxwell's has never had an alumnus die in a prison knife fight. But you're our last hope, cried Mr. Wellington Beach, his final layer of expensive psychic armor falling to reveal naked, lower-class desperation. We've tried every decent school in the country. So we're your last choice, are we? You know how it works. If Cotton goes to a subpar kindergarten, he'll go to a subpar elementary school. If he goes to a subpar elementary school, he'll have no choice but go to a subpar high school. And if he goes to a subpar high school, Mr. Wellington Beach shuddered. Brown, said Mr. Slocum sympathetically. There's always public school, said Mrs. Wellington Beach, gazing off into the middle distance. This was such a tasteless joke that the men had no choice but to ignore it. We've done everything right, moaned Mr. Wethington Beach. Sarah stepped down at Berkshire Hathaway to do a full-time attachment parenting. I switched consulting firms so we could move to a town with a lower level of mercury in the water. We've already got breeders working on the puppy for Cotton's seventh birthday and, and the pony for his tenth. Everything, everything's right. He looked up at Mr. Slocum with haunted eyes. Mr. Slocum felt too tired to be diplomatic any longer. Then how do you explain the shiv in his gut? Well, maybe the machine is wrong. To Mr. Wellington Beach's credit, he stopped himself. The death machine was never wrong. They'd done tests. We shouldn't have named him Cotton, sighed Mrs. Wellington Beach to no one in particular. I'm sorry, said Mr. Slocum, and he really was. But this is why we check, you know. Have a heart, said Mr. Wellington Beach, defeated. Sarah and I both got car accident. That could, that could be tomorrow. Mr. Slocum gave him a long, sad look. Deep in his plushy-lined heart, he knew he was liable to succumb to cheap sentimentality. Mrs. Wethington Beach suddenly fluttered back to planet Earth. Maybe a donation to the school would help? Well, perhaps not too cheap. Cotton Remington Wethington Beach did acceptably at St. Maxwell's. He excelled at music and finger-painting, and his best friends were Akiva Smythe Button, prostate cancer, McGregor Rigsdale, chronic lower respiratory disease, and Resolve Stutzman, botched coronary bypass operation. The four of them went on together to the Tinker High School, and then, minus McGregor, whose parents moved to Hawaii for his asthma, to William H. Howland Prep. Cotton officially learned about the prison knife fight at age 12, when he came across a copy of his own school records in his father's study, but he'd more or less always known. He'd noticed the special, disapproving, pitying, and or terrifying gazes he got from teachers when he acted up in class. He'd been pulled aside on the playground by any number of authority figures and warned about roughhousing, even when he was just standing around with a kickball. And his parents insisted on watching The Shawshank Redemption whenever it was on TV. His friends knew theirs, too, of course. Akiva's parents had sat down with him over freshly baked chocolate cake, told him very solemnly while patting his hand, then stiffly hugged him, exactly as the family therapist had suggested. The whole performance had scarred Akiva for life, ensuring years of future business for the therapist, and, Akiva often thought darkly, if illogically, probably causing his prostate to act up. 
Resolved had heard it from his big sister, who, incidentally, was going to drown, one of those inconveniently vague forecasts that were impossible to prepare for. They hadn't believed Cotton until he'd shown them the certificate. But from that point on, they had to acknowledge that he was their king. How do you think it'll happen, Resolve whispered one day during free period. You don't even know how to use a knife, do you? Yeah, well, that's why he dies, right? said Akiva. Cotton shrugged. They'd had this discussion before. They say you shouldn't try to guess. There's basically no way to know until the big day. Resolved press on. Yeah, but why are you in the prison in the first place? Are you, are you going to kill someone? Rob a bank? A few students at the neighboring tables glanced disapprovingly at them. Ray's voices were not encouraged during free period, or in general. Maybe I don't do anything, whispered Cotton, warming to the subject despite himself. Maybe I'm wrongly convicted of a crime I didn't commit. This scenario was one of several current personal favorites, although there were times when the idea of a brutal crime spree held more satisfaction for a growing boy. Maybe you're not a prisoner, said Akiva. Maybe, maybe you're a guard who tries to break up the fight. Or one of those guys, you know, who, who goes in to teach the prisoners how to weave baskets or something? Or a priest, suggested Resolved. Maybe, said Cotton. They were 16, and supposedly their future still lay shrouded in some glowing promise. But Cotton was pretty sure he could make out the dim but unmistakable outline of an upper echelon position at one of the major accounting firms. He was doing pretty well in pre-calc and statistics that year. Whether we liked it or not, some things didn't need to be printed out on a magic machine to be inevitable. Mine's not so bad, you know, said Resolved, hoping against hope to talk about his own death for once. Killed on the operating table. I'll just go in my sleep. If you think about it, though, said Akiva slowly, that one's really the worst. I mean, you already know it's going to happen. So? So that means one of these days, you're going to go in for a coronary bypass, and you'll have to let them put you under and everything, knowing that you'll never come out. Resolve stared, his lips parting silently. He was not an imaginative boy, and he'd never thought too vividly about the final reward that fate and the death machine had reserved for him. Now unpleasantly precise details were suggesting themselves. From the back of his throat emerged a faint whimper. Probably still beats prostate cancer, said Cotton brightly, which didn't make anyone feel better. I wish we all had prison knife fights, said Resolve. It was a thought they'd shared many times over the past few years, but this was the first time one of them had come out and said it. It'll really hurt, though, said Cotton in a last-ditch effort to patch things up. I mean, even before the stab that kills me, I bet I get cut pretty badly. Yeah, said Akiva, but at least we'd all be headed for the same place. We've been together since kindergarten, and now you're on your way to prison. We'd all go out together, said Resolve dreamily, the rusty gears within his skull grinding slowly to life. Cotton looked at him. Stabbing each other? Yeah. Yeah, sighed Akiva. The bell rang. They didn't move. One of the monitors gave them a meaningful look, which they ignored. I don't know, said Cotton. I mean, my parents are probably dying in a car crash together, and they don't seem too happy about it. Akiva brightened. Hey, maybe that's what you go to prison for. Huh? Involuntary manslaughter. Unlike Resolved, Akiva had a healthy and active imagination. He'd won creative writing prizes. You're drunk behind the wheel, and your parents are in the back seat, and then you drive the car off a bridge and, and kill them. Cotton rolled his eyes. Yeah, and, and maybe Resolved's sister is riding shotgun, and that's how she gets it, too. It could happen! Wait, what's that about my sister, said Resolved, the eternal bronze medalist of the trio? That's not going to happen, said Cotton, gathering his books. A mood had been shattered. 
Well, how do you... Akiva frowned. Don't tell me your parents already thought of it. Cotton slung his backpack over his shoulder. They won't get in the car if I'm driving. College admissions rolled around, and Cotton started getting a lot of thin envelopes and not many fat envelopes. His parents glowered at the world. It's his medical record, said Mr. Withington Beach. The school passes them on. Can we discuss this later, snipped Mrs. Wethington Beach? We just had a nice dinner. You don't have to talk in code, you know, said Cotton. I know I'm dying in a prison knife fight. Both parents shot him poisonous looks. They knew he knew, and he knew they knew he knew. They just would have been happier if he'd done the polite thing and pretended he had no idea what they were talking about. Usually he did. Cotton was vaguely uncomfortable about discussing the death machine with his parents. It was almost as icky as the sex talk, and probably for similar reasons. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy is what it is, muttered Mr. Wethington Beach. Jim, said Mrs. Wethington Beach in warning tones. She turned away and started fiercely rearranging the magazines on the coffee table. Mr. Wethington Beach slapped down his newspaper. Well, it's true. They ostracize a boy like that. How do they expect him to end up? Cotton gave up on his Latin homework. Dad, I've gotten three acceptances so far, plus my safety school. It's not like I'm going to land in the gutter. I'm just not going to Yale. Mrs. Wethington Beach stifled a sob. We have not, growled Mr. Wellington Beach, heard back from Yale. Anyway, you don't even know what's going on. Maybe my application just wasn't that great. I don't have a lot of extracurriculars. I know what's going on, said Mr. Wellington Beach. Cotton had to admit he had a point. Even Resolve had managed Cornell. So what, he said. So I go to one of those little liberal arts schools. They're still good schools. Probably a lot more fun than the Ivy League anyway. Akiva's brother says Harvard sucks and everybody's stressed out all the time and the freshman classes are taught by TAs and big... The point, said Mr. Wellington Beach, is that we sent you to St. Maxwell's to get you into Tinker Hill. We sent you to Tinker Hill to get you into Howland. And we sent you to Howland to get you into the big three. And now the whole damn thing with the... The, the PKF, suggested Cotton, who thought it had earned an acronym. This thing is screwing up the whole system again. Mr. Wellington Beach looked suddenly very sad and tired. We had... We had everything planned out for you, son. We, we spent a lot of time and a lot of money. It, it just doesn't seem fair. Ah, oh, jeez, Dad. Mrs. Wellington Beach spun around, moisture sparkling in the corners of her eyes. Cotton, when we're killed, promise you won't seek revenge on the driver? Oh, God. Cotton slammed his Latin book shut. I'm going out. Cotton's car was new and expensive. It was fast, but there was nowhere to take it, so he drove slowly. Besides, his parents were big on safe driving. He drove out the gates of his neighborhood and past the gates of countless other neighborhoods, all tidy and manicured, all dead at night except for the guards reading magazines in their glowing guardhouses. The scenery repeated itself like a Flintstone cartoon for miles. The spring air was moist and sugary. Maybe there was a party somewhere. Maybe there was a football game. Maybe... There were guys drinking down at Akiva's parents' boat shed. It all melted into the same flat, dark quiet. After a while, Cotton pulled over and sat on the hood of his car. It was a good place to stop as any. A dozen yards away, a guard leaned out of a gatehouse window to look him up and down. Cotton felt like a criminal. Wasn't so bad. He leaned back and looked up at the stars. He really hoped Yale was going to say no. Some of those little schools looked really good, and if he didn't go there, he'd go somewhere else. Something better, maybe. Poor Akiva was going to Harvard like his brother and resolved, well, to be fair, resolved probably would have been screwed anywhere. But Cotton was going to go where he wanted and do what he liked. That was the funny thing about the death machine. When it cut your future down to that one steel inevitability, 
It seemed to open up more possibilities than you ever could have imagined. Cotton smiled shyly at the stars. He was looking forward to prison. It was going to be fun to be free. For more stories about the Machine of Death, visit our website, machineofdeath.net. This audio file is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. That means feel free to share it, send it around, or adapt it however you like, but please don't sell it. I'm David Kellett, cartoonist behind SheldonComics.com. Thanks for listening.